Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Alpine Cooking by Meredith Erickson. Hey, Johnny. Hello, Victoria. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you How about having, you? I'm good. Are you having a lovely weekend so far? It's, it, the weather has been cooperating here in Chicago. We had a little fire pit with friends last Lovely. night. Very, Ooh. very safe, socially distant fire pit. I was and a little hungover this morning. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're not 25 anymore, Ooh, and we have I to know. be cruelly reminded of that once in a while. We did uh, some recovery yoga this morning. Yeah, that which helped. It did. As and did the Gatorade. The Gatorade. <laughs> Pedialyte. Or our whatever. old asses need, need to fix our electrolytes. Man. Back in the day, <laughs> I could do that until like five in the morning. And then go to work. And it, well, I'd go home and sleep for like an hour. And then I'd get up and go do my crappy janitorial job <laughs> that I could do in my sleep if needed. <laughs> and then I'd just do it all over again the next day. There you go. I can't do that anymore. All right. Well, welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Uh, let's get a few housekeeping things out of the way, shall we? Do it. All right. If you go to anchor.fm slash tasty pages, you will see a support button there. And as I've said before, think of it as an online tip jar. It's a way that you can kind of help us out with the work we're doing. And we also have a store tab on our website at wecookbooks.com. And that will take you to our amazon.com affiliate link. And from there, you can buy things like kitchen essentials for the home cook in your life, as well as our uh, curated cookbook selection. And it's a way that you can get something for yourself and throw little pennies our way. Win-win. A little pennies. Yep. Little pennies. <laughs> They're very tiny. <laughs> All you're, right. You're so cute. Um, Let's talk about uh, what we just finished up this week. All right. Uh, we... Just finished Homestyle Cookery by Maddie Matheson. Yeah. Um, that was a fun one. I'm looking forward to that feature. Yep. He's he's a big deal in Canada, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think people in the States are well familiar with him. We weren't. I mean, I knew of him, but yeah. we've never really, you know, explored and watched the videos. And that was a fun book. So It was a ride. It was good. Yeah. We'll talk about that later on. And then um, I also wanted to mention that we are kind of working our way through the United States of Cocktails by Brian Bartels. And because we're not drinking every day, that's going to be kind of a work in progress. Yes. So we're, we're kind of midway through that one. And also just to say, um, the Maddie Math- Matheson book and the... Um, the cocktail book were given to us gratis by uh, Abrams books. Uh, yep. We're part of this thing called the Abrams Dinner Party. Yep. Um, so, so you'll see both of those yeah. in the future. Uh, what do we got up next? Uh, we are going to do the Barbudo cookbook. Um, Jonathan Waxman. Mm-hmm, which makes me very sad because they're, his restaurant just closed. Yeah. Um, and then also Sian uh, Famous Foods. By uh, Jason Wang, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. I cannot wait to try and make noodles. We are making yep. noodles. We are, damn it. 
Uh, hey, that kind of a perfect segue into uh, the best part. What's for dinner tonight? Hamburgers. Hamburgers. <laughs> I'll gladly pay you Tuesday <laughs> for a hamburger today. I'll give you a hamburger. <laughs> okay. You don't have to pay me. Do you know what that was from? Popeye. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. I didn't know if you. I didn't yeah. know if you would catch the wimpy. <laughs> Showing my age. Did you ever see the Popeye movie with Robin, Robin Williams? Williams? Yeah. And uh, what's her name? From, Shelley Duvall. From sh- the Shinning. From the Shinning. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I saw it. I loved Long it. time ago. It was. I remember I mean, it being Robin very Williams cute. nailed Popeye. That's for sure. Yeah. Our dog is scratching at the door. <laughs> I think you gotta let that bitch in. Okay. Otherwise, All she's right. just gonna sit Here there I and come. fuss. Um, yeah. So hamburgers tonight. That brings us to uh, this week's featured book, Alpine Cooking by Meredith Erickson. Um, if that name sounds familiar to those that follow us, she co-wrote uh, Friuli Food and Wine, which uh, we just recently featured on both the podcast and our Instagram feed. She definitely has a style. like She does the, the travelogue type things. I think, you know, if, if, there, was, if there was perf- a person perfectly qualified to feature this kind of cuisine from this region it sounds like she's she's well familiar with it um so this book i would say functions as kind of a travelogue just as much as a cookbook it's, um, it would be a great coffee table book yes honestly yes and i didn't i didn't get to read the whole thing i didn't read it extensively it's, it's a lot to digest there is a ton of information so this covers the remote mountain regions of Italy, Austria, Switzerland, and France, and the food native to that area. Um, It's an exhaustive resource for travelers and cooks alike. Um, I mean, you could really... You could plan a trip to yeah, the area. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, get, it lists places to eat, places to stay, places to go drink. What, you know. Web resources mm-hmm. for lodging and skiing and There's dining. travel hacks and stuff. Um, so, you know, the book is, is divided into sections by country. Mm-hmm. With uh, each recipe cleverly ranked by degree of difficulty. Uh, we should note that we kind of stayed in the shallow end of the pool. Yes, we did. Focusing on the easy and medium ones. Because there were some recipes in here that were work. Yes. I mean, and I don't mind doing that, but... Several days worth. We, yeah. We were feeling a little bit... We didn't feel like we wanted to be pressed for time or yes. what have you. So, I mean, there is something for everyone as far as, like, you know, skill levels and, and what you feel comfortable tack- tackling or not tackling. Um, there were some things, if I'm being honest, didn't appeal to me. I, I don't think this is, like, a type of cuisine and ingredients that we would normally eat. So, you know, it was kind of fi- fun to go on that adventure, but not at the expense of, you know, taking several days to prepare this dish that might be kind of lost on us. Yeah. Well, and a lot of it was like, I mean, it's perfect for, it's, um, a lot of the food was really carb heavy, which is perfect if you're spending all day, you know, walking through the mountains and whatever. But like us eating that kind of food for a week yeah, is, well, is and, a little taxing And I on think the body. you have to consider, like you said, the area. So this is, you know, remote living, very focused on like self-reliance and independence. Um, 
your resources that are available to you if you live in that area would be like hard cheeses, canned goods, cured meats, fresh dairy products. And so that's what you have to work with. And some of these areas are really difficult to access. Mm -hmm. And depending on the weather, they could potentially be closed down for several weeks if there's like heavy snowfall. Um, So that's kind of what you're working with. And and it it taps into that, like I said, like that self-reliant nature and that independent spirit. But um, it's just the, the ingredients that are kind of common to this region are probably not ones that we would like keep in our pantry or think of making, you know. Well, yeah. Left I mean, to our own devices. Right. There, and, and, <laughs> We'd probably starve and die in the Alpine region. <laughs> what we're saying. That's basically what we're saying. Um, so, well, I guess without further ado, let's jump in and talk about what we made. Let's dive into the shallow end. Feet first, though. You don't yes. want a head injury. Yep. <laughs> All right. So the first dish was a bread soup with chicory and eggs. I was expecting this to be super bland. Yes. And blah. Which it was not. It was not. Um, first of all, let's get this out of the way. Trying to shoot this. Yes. Was a task. Let's 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 give the listener <laughs> a, a peek behind the curtain and how we do things here. So you can view this photo on our Instagram feed. Not yet. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm 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 glancing into the future. Um, <laughs> this makes me so confused sometimes. It's okay. I I got you. Um, Thank you, Balmer. All right. So. This is a challenging dish to style and photograph. Um, I would say it's probably one of the trickier things we've done. We've, we have used this technique before yes. for photographing. So you got this bowl of soup. It's one thing if you're just ladling it in and you're going to just chomp on it. Perfect. It's another thing if you want these ingredients to kind of appear that they're effortlessly floating on the soup without sinking down to the bottom. That's where the magic comes in. Basically, what he's saying is you put another bowl uh, or plate or whatever or a plate in the center of the bowl so that it has so that your ingredients have something to rest on and they yep. won't sink. So you submerge that in, cover it with soup, and then you can just kind of place the ingredients on top and they'll just sit there and not sink to the bottom. But Don't also, go telling anyone, though. It's our yeah. secret. Oh, well, I think. Dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I have to say, I did. Um, I did did thicken the soup up a little bit just so that we could get a photograph. It didn't, I just thickened it up with, um, I mean, the bread is, or the soup is thickened with the bread. That is a thickener in the soup. But I ended up thickening up, thickening it up with a cornstarch slurry. Um, yeah. It didn't, it didn't affect the flavor or anything, nope. but that's. And then now add to this an extra layer of uh, a challenge with the poached egg that was sitting on there because we're trying to quickly photograph this and hope that our egg does not continue cooking. And then it becomes like kind of a soft boiled egg. Um, there's nothing more disappointing than when you, you want a lot of cold food. You want as a result of our project, (laughs) but if you want like a jam, you go to cut into an egg and you want it to be jammy and then it's like, yeah, it's all coagulated and just, it's so sad. It hurts my heart. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, this was this was a great dish once we once we had a chance to actually eat it. Um, we didn't. Could, we cold couldn't. Weather yeah, we couldn't soup. find chicory. So I mean, there are a ton of different like bitter greens that you can use. Yep. We used escarole, mm-hmm. um, and it worked perfectly. Now there's a recipe as part of this uh, for the. I think it's pronounced Puccia mm-hmm. bread, which we did not use because we had some of these uh, bagels that I think were left from Sababa mm-hmm. when we worked on that book. Um, and because you kind of chop up the the bread and put it in the soup, um, we just used that. I felt like the recipe was similar enough um, and it just eliminated that step from the process and made it a little easier for us. So. Right. I think I think if we would have made the bread, it would have tasted a little bit different because I noticed that the bread had rye flour in sure. it, which would add probably like a depth and nuttiness. Yeah. But the soup still had it. Oh, like, yeah. Roughly. Yeah, I don't think anything was compromised. And, and don't be afraid to make those like substitutions and shortcuts in your own cooking because uh, not all of us have, you know... Endless hours to be baking bread and other components for the dish. Um, we used homemade bacon instead of the pancetta, mm-hmm. which, you know, no, no complaints there. We, well, we smoke it and it provided that nice smoky flavor to it. Um, and then we just blended this up in the Vitamix, mm-hmm. which is kind of per usual whenever we're making soups because it gets a nice velvety and creamy. And yeah, this is probably one of my more favorite dishes that we made from the book, too. I agree. It was surprising. I agree. All right. Anything else on that? I don't think so. It All was right. a good. It was a good start. Yep. To the book. Um, Absolutely. Next. So whenever, you know what's coming. Yeah. Whenever there's a cocktail, we will make a cocktail. Yep. Uh, love a good cocktail. Um, Spring rhubarb cocktail. And this, I was shocked that. Um, we actually found rhubarb because this was, we did this at the end of the summer. Yep. Um, yeah. And the it selection was, of rhubarb in our area here in Chicago is kind of hit and miss. Sometimes they have it usually when we're not looking for it. And then oftentimes when we are looking for it for a dish or a recipe, nowhere to be found. Right. And the, the store that we found it at, um, we kind of stopped going there too because their produce is garbage yeah. and they're always out of stuff, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was so random. I'm... And yes, we're aware we could grow our own. We've had this wimpy, <laughs> pathetic, <laughs> single stalk of rhubarb growing on the side of our house ever since we moved in like 15 years ago. I have never and picked it's... it. It has no. never gotten any bigger. No, it's just, you know... Spring comes and th- that one sad, lonely stalk will pop out of the ground and I, sit there and die in I the was, summer. <laughs> I was hoping maybe it would just magically spread and I'd have this great rhubarb patch on the Not side a of the house. <laughs> Magical thinking. So, I mean, would you say it's fair to say this was basically a gin and tonic with some fancy ingredients? But that was kind of the base? No. Okay. <laughs> 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 Never mind. <laughs> All right. Well, you're the you're you're the bartender. So tell us more about this drink. Um. <laughs> um okay. Let me gather myself. Um. First. 
Brutally for, honest. I love it. <laughs> First thing you do is make a rhubarb simple syrup. And basically, all you do, uh, all I did was um, you take equal parts water, sugar, which is a simple syrup, mm-hmm. um, but you cut up rhubarb and you just let that simmer for a while till it gets nice and mushy. And then you strain it. Um, it's this beautiful light pink color. Yeah. The drink. This was a beautiful looking and tasting drink. Yes. Um, there was some elderflower liqueur in there, which strangely we had on we, hand. Yeah, we didn't even have to go buy that. Yeah, we well, had it in our home bar setup. It was for some. We made another cocktail that had it, and then you know we just dusted it off and used it for this one. It's funny because we have we don't really have a home. Well, we have a beautiful little um, vintage kind of cart thing, like a home bar type thing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's mostly vermouth. There's a bottle. <laughs> yep. There's a bottle of Malort that has like a quarter of an inch left of it that we've had for about a year. Yep. Um, I think no, we'll, be, two years. we'll be talking about Malort in a future episode for those unfamiliar, I believe. Maybe, maybe in that cocktail book one when we get to that or something. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. I mean, anything else to say about this? This was a pretty, pretty, pretty delicious cocktail. Frankly, it was good. I've never made a drink with rhubarb before, so. Were you transported to an alpine meadow on a beautiful spring day? Oh, I wish I would have been. <laughs> Ideally, I was. In my mind, I was there. <laughs> Is that why you were ignoring me while I was talking to no, you? I was the edibles talking. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, this next dish. I'm going to let you pronounce this because I'll butcher it. Oh, thank you. Okay, yep. uh, duck magret with pont neuf polenta. Yeah, that. <laughs> um, so we love duck. Yes, we love duck. And yes. here is a pro tip: instead of buying duck legs or duck breasts, go buy the whole damn bird because yep. it seriously is only a couple dollars more. Yep. Um, and we uh, so we had our duck breasts, and then we uh, then I um. Braise the duck legs for another dish. For another dish, yep. so we got two meals out of that. We got a carcass to make for duck stock, stock. Mm-hmm. and then best of all, <gasps> ooh, Olive our, got some duck yep. liver. Ooh, our dog that Olive. bitch is fancy. She was she was living it up that night. Yes, she got some duck livers and, and gizzards for dinner. And Special I believe, treat. I believe there was a heart in there too. So win, win, win. Arf, arf. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, uh, this was really, there were two different parts while well, there were several different parts. Simple and rustic. Um, the polenta, uh, there are different ways that you can make polenta or what am I trying to say? Sometimes polenta is loose, which is, you know, where you're eating it out of a bowl. Like grits. Yeah. Um, and then you can make it a little bit tighter so that it will, um, form a solid mass, which is what this recipe called for. You make your polenta, then you put it on a a sheet tray, let it sit and firm up. And then we, um, browned, uh, we, and and they get cut into like little pont neuf fries. And that's Um, the culinary term. That's basically what it is. Yes. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, named after a bridge in Paris, correct? Uh, I believe, I believe so. That's what my that's don't. what that's what the internet's told okay. me, and you know the internet's the don't internet's lie. The internet will never lie to you. Okay. Um, 
Um, and it had some asparagus. Uh, yeah, just simple steamed asparagus. And then uh, you talk the, about the, the simple sauce that, that went on the duck. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was uh, shallots, uh, wine. wine, thyme, honey, um, and uh, I believe there was a little bit of jam in there too. Yep. Um, just a nice, lovely pan sauce. Yep. Uh, and this, you know what? Um, for all the time that we've been doing this, we've never made polenta in that fashion either. No. Which that was a first for me personally, and so. it's it's I actually really love polenta that way. I love yeah. how the outside gets all nice and crispy, and then the inside is just soft and velvety. Yep, so yummy. All right, shall we move on? Oh, no. The moment you've been Do waiting for. Do we have for. to? Okay, so this next dish that we made: uh, grape and walnut pizzicale. Uh, it's kind of, they're like little dumpling kind of spatzly things. Yes. This whole thing was a shit show from start to beginning. And it will haunt us for the rest of our lives. <laughs> so on paper, this sounded appealing mm-hmm. because we were like spatzel, classic Alpine dish. Super German. You know, like, gotta, gotta make this and, and represent the book. Um, so, you know, I guess it started off okay. We made the dough. Um I've I've made pol- uh, or I've made um uh uh Jesus uh <laughs> what is the word for it Spätzle I think it's Spätzle Spätzle um, <laughs> it's the pr- correct pronunciation I know but I say Spätzle um but I've made it once before and you what you do is basically you put the dough i think this our our problem was not having the correct um equipment for this but basically when i made it what the dough goes into a perforated hotel pan and then you scrape over it with um a bench scraper and it drops into it goes through the holes and you drop it into boiling water yep bada boom super easy no no, well, dear listener. <laughs> and we should back up because, like, on paper, this sounded like a home run of a dish. Nutmeg, grapes, hazelnuts. It had telegio in it, which is one of my finely favorite. Finely diced yellow onion. One of my favorite cheeses. Yep. So it had all the hallmarks of a delicious autumn-inspired plate of food. And then that's where this became just this stress-inducing... <laughs> We fought. We actually fought while we were making this. Sorry. <laughs> well, and and so here's the thing. Uh, there is a, a, a spatula tool that you can purchase. We don't have it. We're both kind of averse to single-use, single-purpose tools, so we don't keep a lot of that stuff on hand. We um, don't have a gnocchi board, yeah. which I would like, but... Yeah. I, um, so that was our first misstep is like, you know, and it, and it recommended some alternative options if you didn't have one of the, that dedicated tool. The so, hotel pan, which we also don't well, have because so we, we are not a restaurant so kitchen. So we first had the idea of potato ricer. <sighs> Maybe that would work. Nope. Food mill. I knew Fat the food, <laughs> I knew the food mill would work. Oh, thanks for telling me. I told you, which is why we fought, because you didn't want to listen to me. Uh, I, I like <laughs> you told me I was being negative. I like I like solving problems. This was this was a problem to solve, and it, it just didn't continued. Get to, it, 
continued to be a problem. So what we ended up doing, the, the method that we found that worked the best, and that's not really saying much, was the bench scraper with a large colander that we had. Unfortunately, the holes, I don't think, were big enough. So it was like trying to you know, squeeze this, this dough through these tiny holes. And it and, puts so much pressure on the handle of the colander. Oh my God, I thought that thing was going to break. <laughs> okay, so there's that. And we had dough all over. Oh my God, it made such a mess of the kitchen. <laughs> I was stepping in dough. That did not, uh, <laughs> that did not help with the, the stress level or, or anything with, with, oh, this was a frustrating dish. Um, the finished plate, we we actually were able to salvage this and and eat it and photograph it. The well, photographs are okay. Here's are the thing: not good. Here is the thing: um, to finish, okay, this has grapes in it. Um, the grapes turned everything purple. Yeah, and it has telegio in it, and it just turned into this big lumpy mess. Yep. Yeah, I. It was. I mean, it was edible. It wasn't. You know, like I'm sure we just kind of hate ate it that night. <laughs> I don't think I ate it. I think you ate some. I feel I like know. I didn't. I don't know. Yeah, it's. We just had to be cruelly reminded that you can't hit a home run every time, and and this was that dish. Um, but it looked. I mean, the photo made it look delicious. I am sure. The problem we had with the colander was that it. It, it was a size that didn't really allow you to balance it over the pl- the pot of boiling water no. to like <laughs> scrape that dough in there. If it had been a hotel pan, oh, it would have been super easy. Holes, it would worked. You could have like just rested that on top of the pan and just you know used the amount of pressure you needed to like right get it that dough in there. This was just very precarious and just it 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 was bad. All right. So we'll never speak of that dish again, ever. I think that's one of the worst kitchen fails we've yeah. had in and a good long time. To be fair, like we can't fault the recipe. No. It was just all like user error, and it was totally our fault, and we, we own that. So, uh, yeah. It happens. Yeah. What are you going to do? Can't beat yourself up about it. Well, moving on. Muesli. Muesli. You heard that, right? Uh very similar to an overnight oats, which is which we've made before from from other books. Um, this was this was a nice simple way to rebound. Uh, See, I didn't like it. I hated the texture. We used that uh, Alpine cooking staple dragon fruit in it. <laughs> you had to make it, it look pretty for the photo. No, I, hey, we put it, a bunch of fruit on it, top. The recipe gives you. A lot of latitude with like what you can put in this, and so we took those liberties, and we we had dragon fruit, strawberries, figs, raspberries, and blueberries. We just loaded that thing up. But the actual texture of the muesli really grossed me out. Yeah, it's. Bleh. I I didn't mind it, but I know you you struggle sometimes with texture things. Yeah. With, with I don't foods. like overnight oats either. They yeah. gross me out. Yeah, and I but and I eat oatmeal. Yeah. All the time. I pretty much have oatmeal for breakfast. You weirdo. I know. <laughs> what are you going to do? I, I mean, for what it, for the record, I enjoyed this. And, and I, I, this is a good way to start a day. Just a, a nice bowl of, of this with whatever fruit you want to add to it. So I, I 
had no issues. Okay. I ain't mad at it. Okay, you can you can have your muesli. <laughs> Keep it all. All right, and then the final dish that we made, and this was something that we joked about making because yeah. we thought it would be really heavy-handed and just. Once in a while, a dish will kind of jump out at us because of its. It just seems kind of unusual mm-hmm. or unique. So this was that dish. Ricola ice cream. Ricola. Thanks for being there for me, of Victoria. Course. <laughs> yep, we did it. We made Ricola ice cream. Now, this probably exceeded our expectations, I would say. Um, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, maybe. I thought maybe there was a chance the medicinal lozenge flavor would be a little heavy-handed. Well, and here's the thing. We've been eating... Ha- I think I talked about this... Last week, um, we've been eating Halo Top, which is not really real ice cream. Like when you eat real ice cream, that is like eggs and cream. Yep. That was this. I mean, there's a reason why everybody loves ice cream. Yep. And so it was kind of jarring to me to actually taste real ice cream again. Yeah. Um, and uh, it the Ricola was super subtle. Yep. Uh, it gets ground up on a. a Mortar and pestle. Mortar and pestle. Um, um, to create like a very fine powder, which gets added to the ice cream mixture mm-hmm. and then strained. And then when... We, uh, we have the uh, ice cream bowl attachment for our KitchenAid. Yep. And then, so when you get to that stage where you're mixing it, then you kind of chop up finally some more lozenges olives oh there's neighborhood watch there's drama in the alley drama in the dog neighborhood um so you add a little bit more of those lozenges kind of crunched up to give it a little bit of texture and a little bit more flavor um but it was still subtle i thought oh it was you could it was beautiful taste it but it wasn't wasn't too much it was a great companion for apple pie yes (laughs) which we made from another book and and we we joined forces with, with this, and it was beautiful. It was a mashup. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, so it's, it's got me thinking about other kind of unusual ice cream flavor combinations. Well, I know I've had, like, garlic ice cream before. Um, How's I, that? It was delicious. And I know that I've, I've made, a, uh, I made a white balsamic um, Ooh, uh, sorbet. Super good. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Mm. Um, it's a palate cleanser. All right. Well, there you have it. The, that was the dishes. Um, now we've arrived at the ranking portion of the show where we... Uh, Rank? Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> this book in a variety of categories. We're not Beginning super sharp with, today. Like uh, I'm having trouble with words, at least. I blame last night's activities. Right? <laughs> All right. Um, first, first category: food, photography, and styling. Hit me. Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. Um, so this is kind of a combination of travel photos that seem to capture these places that almost appear to be like stuck in time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looks like you could have shot these photos in the 1970s. Everything is so quaint yes. and charming. Uh, getting some very serious, we were talking earlier about the shining, like getting some shining vibes, <laughs> shining from, vibes from yes. some of these photos, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, but you really get Unless the sense. Unless you like being murdered. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy that? Um, you really get the sense of that kind of remote, isolated 
yet comforting vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely not stylized photos. No. Um, just kind of capturing a moment. Um, the food photos, I was a little ambivalent about. Well, here's the thing about the food photos. There were some that were stunning, beautiful, really modern. And then there were other ones that seriously looked, if you crack open a Betty Crocker cookbook from the 1950s, that's what they looked like. Yeah. It was very it was confusing to me. Yeah. Um, Lots there, of shadows. There, there was a there was a photo of um, I believe it was a souffle, and it was just this very. It was a beautiful photo. It was really modern, uh, beautifully lit. So you have that, and then there's this bowl, uh, you know, and then you turn the page, and there's a bowl of soup that looked like someone slapped a weird filter on it, like huh. one of those. Instagram filters that makes it look uh, vintagey or whatever. Um, I gave it a three. Okay. Because I mean, if we're talking the scenery photos, because well, yeah, the scenery photos are gorgeous. It's a fascinating but the book food to page photos. Through. I think were yeah. No, I I I can totally understand where you're coming from. But I would uh, like. Paging through this book is beautiful. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, design and layout is oh. the next category. What'd you have? Four. Yeah. Um, it was organized very nicely, and uh, and there were indicators um, of how difficult that a recipe was. Yes. Um, and it's kind of cute because they did it. You know, when you it's been years since I went skiing, but how things are labeled like uh, black diamond, which is a hard one yeah, from yeah. what I remember. And then there's like the green circle or blue triangle or whatever. Yep. Um, and it was kind of like that. I thought that was, was clever really, too. Yeah. It was really cute. Um, I gave it a four as well. I liked some elements of the design and layout. I, I didn't like others. I, I think overall, and this, this is just my opinion. I, I felt like there wasn't a smooth flow to the book. It was a little bit more scattered. Like you'll have these recipes and then you turn the page and um, what they'll do in what Meredith does in this book is she focuses a lot on these multi-generational family businesses mm-hmm. and like re- restaurants and lodges and resorts. Um, and these people are, you can almost think of them like custodians of these places and they've been doing this their entire life and it goes back several generations the chefs on the other hand as i understand it tend to be more transient and just move around from like kitchen to kitchen and so she made a conscious choice not to really focus on them and profile them because it would really date the book quickly because like this person moved on to this other place and so um it's really smart of her yes um but I, I just felt like the design, it, it was, you know, there was no uniformity to like the size and style of photos or the way that they were presented. I'm probably not articulating this well. but No, you are not. <laughs> but there wasn't a smooth flow in the book. 
like you'd 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 have a recipe then you'd have like there was i recall a section about that i thought was kind of fascinating but it was talking about like basement workshops because each one of these hotels is in such a remote location that's inaccessible to like large trucks and and like we discussed earlier like they might be closed for several weeks due to the weather and so you have to be resourceful see but couldn't you make the argument that She's showing a complete encapsulation of what the region is like. I guess. Yeah. Maybe I'm just not picking up what she's putting down. Yeah. Don't don't yuck her yum. I'm trying not to. I'm really trying not to because this is a great book and I don't want it. I don't want people to get the wrong impression that we didn't enjoy it or find it really fascinating. Um, I I just think with the... Food itself, it probably didn't speak to us personally as far as like what our right. preferences and tastes are. But that's that's not you can't fault a book for that if you just personally don't care for that. We don't really eat a lot of Italian food. No. And therefore, like we don't feature a lot of Italian cookbooks in our feed. Uh, with Barbudo coming up. <laughs> but uh it's just because like that's just not how we eat yeah. normally. So um I don't know. Moving along. Next category. Degree of difficulty. I gave it a four. Okay. Um, the stuff that we made wasn't super difficult. I think that was a conscious absolutely. choice on our part, too. Um, but there, there were dishes in there that could take you all day long. It's, I mean, like, even the even the, the bread soup that we made. Yeah. Making a bread to tear up to put in a soup. Right. You know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gave it a three. Um, for those reasons you mentioned, like if, if you want to flex your culinary muscle, there are dishes in this book where you could very much do that. Absolutely. There are things that would take you several days to prepare and serve. Um, we kind of consciously avoided those ones just for time reasons. Mm -hmm. I, I would have enjoyed to really dive into some of those ones. Um, yeah. What more can we say about that? Nothing. It is what it is. It is. All right. Uh, and then lastly, taste. Taste. I gave it a four. Every yeah. Everything was, well, the things that turned out yeah. <laughs> that we didn't screw up. Spetzla notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a four as well. And I think just for these reasons that we've been discussing, like uh, what we made, we mostly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, it's not, they're not things that we would probably normally like crave and just make for the heck of it. No. Uh, I certainly would not have a strong enough craving for spetula to ever try and make that again. (laughs) So. No. There there you go. No, there are some things, if you're going to go out to a restaurant or something. Yeah, that's. Or you're not going to tear your kitchen apart. Yeah. God, I think we were finding like dough from that dish like for the next couple weeks. Oh. Stepping on it on the floor. Uh, oh. Yuck. Oof. It was a thing. All, All right. right. Well, okay. there you go. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review it. You can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com as well as Instagram at we underscore cook underscore books. Um, and our Facebook is at wecookbooks. Production assistance was provided by Danny Schaefer. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. All right. You know what time it is. Ooh, okay. I got a joke you, for you. You better step this up, buddy. Oh, man. You remember that time that I was hitting the head with a can of soda? 
Uh, you no, know, but uh, go ahead. Luckily, it was a soft drink. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Don't forget to vote. Wear a mask. Take care, everyone. Bye.